Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. willingness to be used by God carries with it that understanding that we have to be willing to travel whatever and wherever the path of his choosing takes us. And guys, that's a difficult thing. There's no easy road on that. I don't want to paint any kind of a a rosy colored picture on that. The fact is, is when we are honestly surrendered to Christ, are we willing to walk the path that he puts before us. If you were told that the path you were on would be treacherous, tripping you up along the way, and you'd probably get beaten up, would you still go? Most people would answer readily with a firm no. But the path of a believing Christian was never promised to be smooth and trial-free. In fact, Pastor David confirms this in his message today, that those who are following after God will surely face persecution just like Jesus did. Even though they're suffering, There is reward in it all. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 16 as he begins his message, The Belief That Saves. Here in chapter 16, where Luke, the physician, the one who is writing the book of Acts, the one who also wrote the gospel according to Luke, Luke is now joining the missionary team. So that kind of brings us up to speed where we are. Uh, During that time, uh, in this earlier part of chapter 16, we find out that they came to the city of Philippi, and they had the opportunity there to minister to uh, a a group of women, a group of women that had met outside of the city along the riverside that they would go there on a regular basis on the Sabbath for a time of prayer. And when uh, Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke got to Philippi, as they searched for a synagogue, they didn't find one, but they found out that these women were there on the shoreline. So they went out there and ministered to them. And as Paul and the others taught these women, there was a particular woman by the name of Lydia. She heard, she understood, she received what they said. She received Christ into her life. Soon after receiving the fullness of Christ into her life, uh, she and her whole household were baptized. That's verses 13 through 15. And I believe that it was at that time, really, that the church of Philippi was actually birthed. And many scholars look and believe that that early church in Philippi probably met at Lydia's house. She was a woman of fairly uh, good wealth. She was a seller of purple, and we see a couple of other clues in the book of Acts. 
Well, some days after that, while they were still in Philippi, we had also looked at the fact that Paul and Silas and the whole team, they were going through the city, and this slave girl with a demonic spirit within her would uh, come behind them every day and start following them and crying out, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And uh, Luke tells us this she did for many days. Look down in verse 18. We'll kind of pick up right there. In verse 18 of chapter 16, uh, Luke tells us that Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, not to the girl, but to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he, the Spirit, came out of her that very hour. So as we continue on, verse 19. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, and they dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. So you got to see here that these Gentiles there in Philippi, they did not like Jews to begin with. And so now they're bringing this accusation against Paul and Silas and the team. They're saying there in verse 21, they teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive or to observe. And then the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks, into what many scholars believe is a dungeon portion of the prison there in Philippi. Let me ask you something this morning. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Lord, I just want to serve you wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do. Okay, Uh, if you've prayed that prayer, rest assured of this one thing. The Lord can and will lead you to some places and into situations that you cannot even imagine uh, if you're willing to fully trust him. And sometimes those things are not gonna be comfortable things. We look at the life of Paul and man, we could go through Paul's biography or autobiography of all the things that he went through, all the suffering that he went through for the cause of Christ. Why? Because he was willing to say, Lord, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. My life is yours. For these Roman Gentiles here, they they had such a strong hatred for the Jews and for their religion. The prejudices of that whole culture of the Greco-Roman times, again, against the Jews, no doubt the reason why there was no Jewish synagogue in Philippi, remember there had to be 10 Jewish men in order to make a synagogue, and apparently there wasn't even that there. That's why the women were meeting down at the river. They were meeting outside of the city, undoubtedly due because of this long-standing prejudice or hatred for the Jews. Verse 25, Paul and Silas are in the prison. As I said, many believe it was down in the dungeon portion of this prison. Their feet are in stocks. They're secured in this cell. Verse 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were crying out and complaining to God in a loud voice, and the prisoners were listening to them. Now, wait a minute, that, that, that's, that's my version. That's my version. That, that's, that's the way I usually go when things don't go my way. Actually, I'm kind of embarrassed. You know, as I read this, I think, what would I do? What would I do? 
I would hope that I could have that kind of a faith, that in the midst of that kind of a trial, that I'd just be praising God, giving glory and honor to him. But you know what? I've seen myself in a lot worse situations, crying and moaning and complaining. And I know I'm probably the only one that does that, but the fact is, is when you and I who testify Christ as our Savior, who say we're a child of the King, we're willing to give our lives for Him because He gave His life for us. And when we start crying and complaining because of situations that we're in or situations that start happening around, guess what? In the same way that those prisoners heard Paul and Silas, the world hears us. What kind of an impact are we putting in the world for the reality of who God is and the strength of who God is and the power of God and the love of God when we are a people who say we're his children and we whine and complain and moan and groan. Fact is, guys, God remains almighty and sovereign. He remains loving and compassionate in and through every one of our sufferings. It was A.W. Tozer who wrote for us, God never uses anyone greatly until he tests them deeply. You going through a trial in your life? Maybe on the other side of that trial, God really wants to use you in a powerful way. You know, in our life, God is working and moving. God has not forgotten any of us. I don't care what conflict you're going through. I don't care what struggle, what tightness, what frustration, what trial you're going through. You need to understand that God's right in the middle of that. God's in that. Recognize him. Praise him. Even in the midst of those things. When we see this whole issue going on. We see it in the life of Paul. We see it in the life of Joseph back in the Old Testament. We see it in the life of Moses. We saw it in the life of David. We saw it in the life of Daniel. We see it in the life of so many, both Old Testament and New, that went through great trials and some for great extended portions of time. You think Joseph, all that Joseph went through and yet how mightily God used him. See, Moses being kicked out and, and sent to the backside of the desert for 40 years in order that God could use him as his true servant. Guys, our willingness to be used by God carries with it that understanding that we have to be willing to travel whatever and wherever the path of his choosing takes us. And guys, that's a difficult thing. There's no easy road on that. I don't want to paint any kind of a, a rosy colored picture on that. The fact is, is when we are honestly surrendered to Christ, are we willing to walk the path that he puts before us. Because you know what? Anything less, and we're going to limit our ability to be used as his chosen vessel. Paul was wholly and completely submitted and surrendered to God's will and to God's plan and to God's direction in his life. Therefore, when all these trials came, we find him, again, just as he is here in Philippi in that dungeon cell. He's there. He's not crying. He's not complaining. What does it really say? Look at verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. 
Suddenly there was this great earthquake. So the foundations, the very foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. It was Charles Spurgeon that reminds us that any fool can sing in the day. It's easy to sing when we can read the notes by daylight, but it's the skillful singer who can sing when there's not a ray of light to read by. Songs in the night come only from God. They are not within the power of men. Paul and Silas praying, singing hymns to God, the prisoners listening to them. But you know what? Not only the prisoners, there was another that was listening to them, a much greater audience, again, for their time of worship. God himself was also listening to them, to their prayers and to their hymns, to their adoration of him. And in response to those prayers, to their praise and to their worship, God loosed the chains and God set the captives free. I want you to hear that again. I want you to understand the power of that right now. When God heard their prayers, when God received their praise and their worship, that's when God set the captives free. That's when release came in the midst of the praise, in the midst of the worship, in the midst of their prayers to God. Right here in this spot, guys, is such a powerful lesson for us to be able to learn, to be able to receive. Not only to learn, but to go back to over and over and over again. Chains are loosed and captives are set free when we place our focus not on our issues, but on the one who's worthy of all praise. We get so caught up and the things of this world, we get chained by this world. We get so caught up in our own addictions or our drives and passions, we're chained by them. Those chains are loosened when we change our focus. In the midst of their times of praying and singing hymns to God, God moved and released those that were bound by them. They released those things that kept them down. I was reminded of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. You don't necessarily need to go there, but you can if you want. But in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 is one of my favorite events of the Old Testament. King Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was one of the good guys. He was one of the good kings. Uh, Judah had you know, good and bad. Israel, the northern kingdom, had nothing but bad. But Jehoshaphat was one of the good kings in the south, in Judah. And it was during the reign of Jehoshaphat that the countries across uh, on the eastern side of the Jordan, Ammon and Moab, gathered together with the people of Mount Seir, and they came against the people of Judah. And they had a much, much greater army than Judah had, and pretty much it was a done deal. I mean, there was no way that Judah was going to be able to defeat that enemy that was coming against them. But in the midst of that, Jehoshaphat called the people to prayer because the enemy was much greater than anything that they could deal with. Just like some of the things in your life that's much greater than anything that you can deal with personally. Jehoshaphat called them to prayer. And as the congregation of Israel was praying, one within the assembly, not a priest, not necessarily even a leader, but the Lord spoke to one within the assembly who came to Jehoshaphat 
and said, this is what the Lord is saying. This battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. And the Lord is saying he will fight that battle for you if you simply trust him and if you surrender it to him. To kind of shorten up the story, the day came for the battle and Jehoshaphat actually uh, put the worship team in front of the army. I love that part of the story. You know, you're going to battle, put the worship team in front, okay? And as they went to battle, Second Chronicles chapter 20 says that the things that the worship team began singing is praise ye the Lord for his mercy endures forever and ever. Praise you, the Lord. His mercy endures forever and ever. Praise you, the Lord. His mercy endures forever and ever. And you're marching into battle, a battle that in the physical mind, you're gonna be utterly destroyed because the enemy is so much greater. But beloved, there is one even greater who's listening to your praise, who's listening to your worship, who understands your devotion and surrender to him. We'll die but you are greater than our enemy. And as they approach the enemy, praise ye the Lord for his mercy endures forever and ever. The Lord sent a deceiving spirit, a, a confusion among the Ammonites and the Moabites and the people of Mount Seir. And they started fighting against each other until by the time that the people of Judah, the people of Judah came uh, to the war zone, the people were dead. The enemy was destroyed. And I love what it says. It took them three days to be able to pick up all the things that the enemy had left there. There was gold, there was silver, there was weaponry, there was all kinds of stuff there. So there was even a blessing, not only on the release of the bondage of this enemy that was going to destroy them, but at that victory, there was a blessing even beyond that. Guys, just as we see here, just as we read in Acts 12, Paul and Silas praying, singing hymns to God, the prisoners listening to them, the nations around, I believe, were seeing and understanding what's going on, even there in 2 Chronicles. In your life, the world is going to see what's going on in your life, your neighbor, your family, your coworkers, the people you're in school with. How do they deal with those issues in their life? Same kind of issues. How many of you know, man, that, that Christians deal with the same kind of issues the world deals with? But it's how we deal with them. Does the world see you and I dealing with them? Because we have a reality that there is a God in heaven who loves us and it is more powerful than the issues that we're going through. Guys, what does the world see in our life? In Luke's gospel record, we... Read in chapter four where Jesus, again, he publicly begins his ministry. This is right after his baptism, after his 40 days of temptation in the wilderness. From there, he goes back to, uh, to Nazareth. He goes to his home church. Okay, his home synagogue. But uh, he goes into his home synagogue there in Luke chapter four. It says that he returned in the power of the Spirit 
to Galilee. He came to Nazareth. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He was handed the scroll of the book of Isaiah. And when he had opened it up, he found a passage there. And it's what we know as Isaiah chapter 61. And there he began reading, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good things to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and to open the prison to those who are bound and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Guys, what we see happening here in the stench of this dungeon cell is an absolute fulfillment of that prophecy in a very literal way. As they prayed, the Lord Jesus, again, he gave liberty to the captives. He opened the prison to those that are bound. But what we're going to see in a moment is that this also happened in a very powerful spiritual way. Here we see these prison shackles that are being loosened. We see the metal bars of the prison doors being opened up. And we see freedom from this physical bondage. But next we're going to see one who, although he was considered to be a free man, he was free in the physical world, but in the spirit he was actually bound up in the chains and in the shackles of sin and hopelessness. This is the Philippian jailer. Remember Jesus said, therefore, who the sun sets free is free indeed. Free indeed. A freedom that this world cannot give you. You may be behind prison bars, but you can still be free in Christ. Look with me as we move on and we look at this Philippian jailer. Uh, back in Acts 16, down in verse 27. And the keeper of the prison awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm for we are all here. And then he, the jailer, called for a light and he ran in and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas and he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do? To be saved. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Guys, in this Roman structure of things, if you have the responsibility to guard someone, rather it be an individual or a group, and they escaped, doesn't matter why they escaped, doesn't matter what the situation was, if the ones that you were responsible for guarding escaped, then your life was going to be exchanged for theirs. If uh, they were to be in prison for 20 years, you're going to be in prison for 20 years. If they were uh, accused of a capital crime and they were going to be executed, you would be executed. And the jailer understood this. And the jailer was ready and he was willing even to commit suicide rather than to face the humiliation of being imprisoned in his own jail or even worse, being executed himself if, if a prisoner, again, that had that capital offense had escaped. He knew what the fate was that he would be under should any of these escape. Paul understood the situation and his concern. He also understood that it was more, more than just the physical, but there was a spiritual welfare for this jailer. 
Paul cried out with that loud voice, hey, don't do yourself no harm. I'm glad that Paul was quick. I'm glad that Paul was loud when he said that. And I'm sure the jailer was glad that Paul was quick and that Paul was loud. Do yourself no harm. We're all here. Can you imagine the shock of this jailer? That'd be something you can't even begin to imagine. Man, all the doors are open and no one escaped. That's crazy. What jail would that ever happen in? We're so glad you could be with us today as we opened God's Word and dove into the goodness and truth the Bible contains. If you've missed any part of today's message in Acts, we encourage you to refer to our website, calvarycg.org. Once there, you can browse our library of audio as well as learn more about the ministry of the Open Word. We'd love to hear from you about how God's working in your life. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676. When you call, please let us know how we can be praying for you. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If you prefer accessing information through social media, visit our Facebook page and keep up to date with all that's happening at The Open Word. Just go to theopenword.com. You'll be directed right to our page. You'll be able to explore more of Pastor David's audio there as well. As our time comes to a close today, Pastor David has a quick word of encouragement to share with you. Hey, thanks, Chris. Any time you spend in God's Word is valuable, and I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. By diving deeper into the Scripture and letting it saturate your heart and mind, you'll be ready to take on your day as well as be prepared when the enemy attacks. If you're not sure where to start, you can begin by reading today's passage again. Or simply let your Bible fall open. If your heart is open to the Holy Spirit's direction, you can't go wrong. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. And I hope you'll join me again next time on The Open Word. Make a small-